Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I am so happy to have you here. I have an amazing guest for you today. But first, if you are a first-time listener, welcome to the show. This is the show that educates, empowers, entertains you a bit, and inspires you to live your most fearlessly authentic life. Because in my opinion, if we are not living our most fearlessly authentic life, then what the heck are we doing here? So I am glad that you are joining me today. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Your ratings, your reviews mean so much to me. You can find me on Apple. You can find me on Amazon Music, Spotify, every place you listen to podcasts. You could also find me on all social media platforms at Jody Harrison Bauer. On today's show, Fearlessly Authentic, I am so excited to share my guest with you as I always am because our skincare is so important to us and so many of us, myself included, are very overwhelmed with what's out there. There are so many trends. Are they true? What are the best products to use? You know, I'm 63 years old. My birthday was the 27th and your skin changes at different times of your life and my guest is going to explain everything to you, so stay with me. My guest today is Dr. Mamina. She is an award-winning triple board certified dermatologist and is the go-to expert on beauty and wellness trends, anti-aging, winter skincare tips, and product recommendations. And let me tell you, you are going to get a lot of product recommendations today that are going to help you feel better in your skin. A media personality and influencer, Dr. Mamina has been seen in Cosmo, Forbes, Vogue, and GMA with over 1 million online followers. You can find her at dr.mamina. She is incredible on TikTok. Go to see her TikTok right now. Well, after the show, you need to see it. She knows firsthand the emotional impact that skin issues have on a person. Through her journey to becoming a dermatologist, she realized that healthy skin is not just about improving your appearance, but addressing the root causes to give you true control over your wellness. She shares the science behind healthy skin with personalized approach designed to address the root cause of skin problems. Not your average dermatologist. No, she's not. Dr. Mamina offers a refreshing approach to holistic skincare, focusing on the connection between your mind, body, and skin health. Dr. Mamina has been featured and published in top journals such as JAMA Dermatology, Pediatric Dermatology, and JAAD. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mamina. It's so good to have you here. So great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. You know, um, 
I am so excited to have you on the show because there are there's so much information out there about skincare at yes. different ages. So I am 63. I just I'm a newly minted 63 year old. Goodness. And um amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and it's you know, it's overwhelming because back in the day when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s and so on, um, nobody talked about skincare, nobody no. talked about sunscreen. So right. I know I wanted to start with the younger people, but because there are so many women my age who are struggling with what is the best skincare to use for a woman who has sun damage because we didn't mm -hmm. use sunscreen until maybe our 30s. Mm -hmm. So what should we do right now with our aging skin? Yes, very commonly asked question. So even though you feel like there's already been a lot of sun damage, it is never too late ever to wear sunscreen. It's important to keep using sunscreen indefinitely. Any little bit of sun exposure especially at an older age, will tip things over the edge because, you know, what the sun does is it gets into the DNA in your skin cells and it can scramble or mess up the DNA. But when we're young, when we're healthy, our immune system has have the mechanisms in place to repair the DNA. And, you know, as we get older, though, like after so much DNA damage, then things start to show. And, and also a lot of our repair mechanisms have been used up. So any little bit of sun is going to tip things over the edge. So the first thing I have to say is wear sunscreen so that you can prevent future brown spots. You can prevent further you know, development of precancers or skin cancers. So that's the main thing. I thought I read, I heard somewhere a long time ago that what's done is done. Like I have the sun damage. It's not going to get any worse. If I have skin cancer, God forbid, it's there. There's nothing that I can do about it. Well, not exactly. There are definitely, so there's some other skincare products I'm going to also recommend as okay. well that can help kind of reverse or repair the damage that has already been done. But because it's, because so much damage potentially has already been done, it's important to continue to wear sunscreen because any little bit of sun will only make more damage show up actually more easily. So so th that's why I always emphasize sunscreen. But yes, in terms of repairing damage, there are definitely some things I recommend. I definitely recommend using a retinoid. A retinoid is kind of an umbrella term for a vitamin A derived ingredient product that really works by increasing skin cell turnover. So it can help kind of refresh, renew your skin. That's also kind of how it helps with acne. So, you know, Retin-A, those prescriptions help with acne, but it also works deeper in the collagen to repair, remodel collagen, and that can tighten the skin, help with fine lines and wrinkles. That's does been it, one of the most studied really, ingredients. It really does work. It works. Like just the, just the, I've seen people's skin who've used it for years, for decades, and you can tell when somebody has been using a retinoid for a consistent long period of time. It works. You know, I started using Retin-A in uh -huh. seventh grade. So wow. that was, uh, let's see, seventh grade was 1972. Wow. So... I remember my doctor put me on tetracycline because I had a few pimples on my forehead. As soon as one pimple came out, my mother's like, let's go to the dermatologist, right? Yeah. It was on my forehead, typically for a, a 
girl going through puberty, anybody going through puberty, right? It starts at the top yeah. and mm -hmm. then starts going down. Um, and it cleared it up right like that. I, I did get a yeast infection from the tetracycline. That can happen. Uh, but I can't believe that people are still using that. And I didn't, it dries out your skin really fast. So I use it sometimes, and then I stop using it. Yes. Yeah. So that's the downside of using a retinoid because it does increase skin cell turnover and that can be irritating and drying for many people. So there's different strengths out there and you want to use the strength that your skin can handle. There's also, so there's the prescription retinoids like Retin-A or Tretinoin, which is generic. Um, those have a higher risk of irritation. They work faster, but they are more irritating. There's retinols, which have to get converted in a couple of different steps into retinoic acid or tretinoin. So that's why those are more gentle. They're not immediately irritating. They can be still irritating in some people. Um, but for those with sensitive skin or dry skin, I do recommend starting with a retinol. But the goal is to be able to use it, you know, every other night to potentially every night. I do have to say, though, you know, the other thing to think about in people who are above the age of 60 is that dry skin becomes more common because of the decrease in estrogens. And so you don't have to go crazy. I wouldn't try to push yourself with these strong active ingredients. Yes. I mean, I think it is important to use a retinol or tretinoin, but, you know, it's okay if you feel like you can't use the strongest one. You also want to really preserve the hydration, moisturization in your skin. So I really emphasize good moisturization um, in people who are above the age of 50 or 60 or postmenopausal. It's um, interesting. That's so helpful. And I know we are you are going to throw out so much helpful information today. <laughs> that, that's why I'm just so excited to go through all of these things with you because it is overwhelming because back in the day, we didn't have so many choices. Yeah. And even though it's great that all this information is out there, I am so happy that I found you and mm -hmm. that you are sharing the truths and oh, yeah. debunking the myths out there because so many people get pulled in by what one person is saying and they get overwhelmed. And even again, for women my age, because we are, I have experienced a change in my skin. I was, mm -hmm. I had oily skin, then I went mm -hmm. to combination skin. Now my skin is dry, mm -hmm. um, but I still get a little bit oily. So I'm mm -hmm. grateful for the oils now, yeah. back when back when I hated oh, yeah. my oily skin. <laughs> so what it, besides retinoids, mm -hmm. um, what else is good for somebody who wants to maybe have a, plumper, healthier looking skin, but has, you know, has that sun damage. And do you see mm -hmm. sun damage mm -hmm. in most of your patients who are over the age of say 50? I do. Yes. Mm -hmm. Unless they are somebody who, you know, really had practiced very strict sun protection and are very diligent about their skincare and, you know, perhaps have had some cosmetic procedures, whether it's lasers or chemical peels. But in general, yes, sun damage is pretty much the norm in people above the age of 50. Um, so yes, you were asking another ingredient. Right. Um, I, I am also a really big fan of good antioxidant. And, and one of the ones that has been studied the most is vitamin C. So a topical vitamin C serum that can help reverse sun damage and also prevent future sun damage. 
And that's something you want to use in the morning because it actually works alongside your sunscreen to prevent DNA damage. So what does vitamin C do again? Because that's yeah, it's, it's I, a I've read about it, but I've never used it. Yes. So it's a potent antioxidant. And what antioxidants are is they they bind to unstable molecules or oxidating molecules. These are molecules that can because they're unstable, they try to find something to bind to and they can cause damage. So um, these are also called free radicals. Free radicals are, they they come about because of some kind of environmental or outside stressor like pollution, UV rays, it's a huge cause of free radicals. And, um, you know, stress, even certain inflammatory foods. So when you have like these unstable molecules, these oxidizing molecules or free radicals, the, the antioxidants bind to these molecules and prevent them from doing the damage and wreaking havoc in your skin or in your body. Um, that's why even like, you know, eating when people say eat your fruits and vegetables, because they're full of antioxidants, there's something to it. They are also, you know, binding to the free radicals and unstable molecules in your body. But yes, on the skin, when you can, when you apply like a really well-formulated vitamin C, because not all vitamin Cs are created equal. That's the one where, you know, people are like, oh, do you have to, you know, do I have to spend a lot of money on skincare? There are some things where you can totally go budget um, with skincare, but low budget on skincare, but with vitamin C, you know, there are some higher quality vitamin C's that can make a much bigger difference. And because they are, it's vitamin C is kind of a delicate molecule itself, but yes. Could you recommend to our listeners right now, what vitamin C you would suggest? Yes. I would say like the gold standard is SkinCeuticals, CE ferulic. It's C, like the letter C, the letter E, and then the word ferulic. F-E-R-U-L-I-C. That one's fantastic. I have seen that transform people's skin, people who've used it for years. Uh, My office staff, my mom, various patients. Um, Another huge favorite of mine is a company, it's by a company called Skin Better Science, Skin Better Science, and their vitamin C serum also has a bunch of other antioxidants as well. So very potent antioxidant serum. This one's called Alto Advanced. Okay. Alto Advanced. Um, well, I'm going to leave all of these things in the show notes so people can can find these things. Yeah. And I like that you pointed out that there are some products you can use that are budget-friendly yes. and some where you do want to spend the money. And I think mm-hmm. that is also confusing. I do want to get to mm-hmm. that as we go through the different decades and this and the um, skin trends, yeah. Because again, um, skin trends are trends. It's you know yes. I've been in the fitness business for over forty years, and I see trends. Yeah. And I always go back to the women I train. Let's go back to old school. Why does old school work? Because it works. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be called old school if they didn't work. And even though the trends. You have to know who you're speaking to to make sure that the trends really do work for you, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So um, in finishing up the women over 60 or the postmenopausal woman, and yes. I think it's pretty safe to say that most women over 60 are postmenopause, but not all of them. Not all. Right, not all. 
What else can you suggest to that woman that she puts on her face to help make her skin look better, slow down the look of the aging skin? Yes. Okay. There's like four other things. Okay. Great. Um, Go. <laughs> so, I can tell you're excited. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, no, I get asked this question a lot and yes, people want to know. Yes. So another ingredient that I think is easy to incorporate um, is, is peptides. So there's a variety of different peptides out there, but um, the peptides that we want are the ones that can send signals to increase well, there's some that can increase hydration and moisturization, which is fantastic. And then there's also some that can also send signals to increase collagen production or collagen remodeling. And I think, you know, there's different peptide serums, but I think an easy way to incorporate peptides into your routine is finding a moisturizer that has peptides in it. Um, and like what? Using that. So one of my favorite brands, just because I think they are very, they have so much science behind their peptides is Elastin, L. A-L-A-S-T-I-N. I've heard of their that. Skin, their skin restorative complex um, is a nice moisturizer with peptides. And uh, their, their, um, their skin regenerating nectar serum, actually, that's more of a, it's, it's more of like a, it's a cross between a serum and a moisturizer, but that one's really nice too. And then Neocutis, uh, they, they are also known for their, for their peptides as well. Like they're, um, yeah, they have, it's in the light gray bottle. I have to say that. Okay. Um, but yes, they, they make great ones. And, um, so, so besides yeah. a moisturizer, so look for a moisturizer with peptides, right? Yeah. Okay. With peptides. So we, what should we wash our face with? A gentle cleanser. Um, could it depending be on your skin type, or something like that. I'm, yeah. So with cleansers, you don't have to spend. You don't have to splurge. I think drugstore yeah, cleansers. I saw your are husband excellent. using it, right? I yeah. think I saw your husband using yes. it. Yes, <laughs> um, we're big fans of Cetaphil. We also really like Cerave. Yes, and we also love La Roche Posay. Okay, those those are great brands that you can find at the drugstore, and they have different kinds depending on your skin type. Right. But if you deal with drier skin, which we, we do see more so above the age of 60, the hydrating cleansers, so the more mm -hmm. cream-based cleansers, as opposed to like a gel gel or foaming cleanser, you might want to look for like a cream hydrating cleanser. Right. So moms over 60, or if you're not even a mom, but moms, don't use your 30-year-old's um, face wash because more than likely your skin is not like theirs. Yes. Yes. Look for something very gentle. Right, right. So we've got mm -hmm. a daily, a nightly routine would involve you know removing your makeup, putting, uh, washing your face, cleansing your face. Yes. You suggest a serum. Again, um, sticking with this over sixty, and then I want to go into the other decades. Yes. Well, the basic nighttime routine is cleansing your face, then using a retinoid, and then moisturizing. Okay. And then ideally, like a moisturizer with peptides. If you want extra hydration, uh, you before your retinoid, you can use like a hydrating serum, something with hyaluronic acid, or you can find a serum that has peptides in it as well. But it also makes me, yes, oh yes, there, no, there's another no, ingredient I'm, I'm thinking about. Yeah, no, I'm super confused about all the serums outside. I've yes. got four of them in my in my bathroom, and I'm I, I don't know which one to use. I know. I think that serums, the word serums, also I think 
people think, oh, I have to use a serum, but, but serums are just a vehicle to administer an ingredient. There are peptide serums, there's vitamin C serums, there's some retinols come in a serum form. So it's, 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 you're not just like a serum is just a way to get it at product. So you don't have to use a serum if you're already using like a cream that has those ingredients too. I do think serums, serums, though the difference between serums and creams is that serums, those, well, those are a few things. Serums potentially can have like a higher concentration of the active ingredient. So they may be a little bit more potent and they may be able to penetrate your skin more effectively. And also because of the texture of a serum, it's easy to layer if you want to incorporate other products into your routine. It's easy to layer over a serum. But I was going to say, when I was thinking about serums, you know, there's, like I said, there's, there's vitamin C serums, which I recommend using in the morning. But another ingredient that I love, and it usually comes in a serum form that I think is helpful, and especially for women over 60 who cannot tolerate a retinoid um, because it's too drying or irritating, I think incorporating something with growth factors. So growth factors are also molecules that can send signals to build collagen. And can we still build collagen over the age of 60? Is that really a possibility? You can. It might be a little bit more difficult, but you still can. <laughs> okay. You still can for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, um, you, like I said, you might need some help with skincare or with procedures, but for sure. I mean, if you can heal a wound, you know, if you get a cut and you can heal a wound, your body still has the ability to, to help kind of build collagen. That's true. Um, if you can create like a scar, you know? Right, right. Okay. So I didn't know that about the serum. So everybody listening at home right now, that is the scoop on serum. So try to find a serum based on what your needs are. So for example, Mm -hmm. for me, and I'm just using this as an example, because a lot of our listeners are my age, um, vitamin C would be the serum for somebody who's using a retinoid, has sun damage, has drier skin, um, using the retinoid, the vitamin C, then the peptide moisturizer, and then go to bed. <laughs> well, well, at night, and the vitamin C is for the morning. Oh, morning. Okay, and sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I would say like a basic skincare routine really for anyone, including above the age of 60, is in the morning, cleansing, vitamin C, then sunscreen. And vitamin C is usually in a serum. Mm-hmm. Sunscreen is usually like in a lotion or a cream. And then at night, cleansing, removing your makeup. And then basic would be a retinol, which could be in a serum. It could be in a, you know, a cream and then, or a gel. And then following that with a moisturizer with peptides. But if you want to take it up to the next level, or if you can't tolerate a retinol, like if you have dry skin and, or you get, you're very sensitive to retinols, or if you want to just add something that to really boost your anti-aging routine, is at night after washing your face before the retinol or tretinoin using a serum with growth factors that can make a big difference. Can you give us an example of what would be, I've never heard that growth factors. I've never heard that. Yes. They, um, they, they're pretty large molecules. So you want to make sure that it's the first step in your skincare routine. But yes, one of my favorite growth factor serums is by a company called skin Medica and it's their TNS. T like the letters T N S advanced plus serum. And 
that would be like the first thing you would put on your skin before your retinol. You could also use it in the morning too. I don't want to get too, no, I don't I, get too complicated. No, 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 here, I but, understand. But yeah. I, I mean, what's important, I think, um, and I'm sure you see a lot of this because we women over 60, like your mom, who has like the most perfect skin in the world, um, which is what made you go viral on TikTok, yes, that's right? Go viral she on was, TikTok. It's my mom. was she um, exfoliating herself with a banana peel? You know, she skin. was just, I think she just thought it was moisturizing. Um, yeah, she just thought it was moisturizing. She's adorable. But she, uh, yeah, she cracks me up. But, you know, she, ha she had been using the vitamin C serum that I mentioned, the SkinCeutical CE Peru. Like that's, that has been in her regimen for the longest time. Okay. Well, this mm -hmm. is really helpful. <laughs> Obviously integrating, and I know you talk about this a lot on, on your um, platform is, and you mentioned it briefly, the foods that we eat also affects our skin because mm -hmm. the way we nourish ourselves are from the inside out. Unfortunately, if you grew up in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, you probably weren't using sunscreen because I was that girl who used baby oil and had my Peter Frampton Comes Alive <laughs> album nice. trifold with the tinfoil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was oh, yeah. me. I got third degree burns on my face when I was oh, no. like 20 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's an ongoing process. So everybody who's listening around my age can understand the struggles because it is, mm -hmm. because we can't, it's hard to go back really, really fast. But what we can do, as I tell my clients who are trying to get fitter, leaner, stronger is, but we can go forward because there's no, totally. it, it, we don't, you know, watch what you eat. It's going to help your skin look better. It's going to give you more energy, but don't focus on the past look at what you can do to feel better going forward. And everybody wants to put their best foot forward. And the first thing we see on somebody is their face, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, everyone, I mean, face is a big deal. It, it really is. is. So let's go back to when you're younger. So when yeah. would be the time that you would suggest to patients, to women listening to the show right now, when they really should get serious about a skincare regimen, starting, I'm thinking, in their late teens, but it could be earlier, right? With acne and so on. Definitely. Yeah. I usually say late teens, early 20s is I think when you want to start doing something pretty consistent, especially incorporating a sunscreen and potentially a retinol. But if you are dealing with acne, for sure, I think it's important to have a good skincare regimen. Um, as young as like even nine years old, you know, we do see acne right. in kids that age. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's get into the acne. Yeah. And so you talk about popping pimples, popping pimples in the triangle of death zone. Oh yeah. Okay. So I also saw on your TikTok that you say, pop the pimple. It's not supposed to be there. Right. Um, it, did you no, say I, that? I don't. I don't recommend popping pimples. Okay. But I, I did a satire video that said you should pop your pimples. Okay, then maybe that's <laughs> what it was. So I don't want to send yeah. out the wrong information yeah. because I always heard that, you know, when I would when I had acne um, in seventh grade, my dermatologist would take this thing, this I don't know, this mm -hmm. metal thing, and he would pop the pimples and. You know, and then I did the regimen he said. So what is the, should you pop the pimples or no? In general, I do not recommend popping your pimples. Okay. The, the trauma from squeezing a pimple or applying any kind of pressure 
can cause more inflammation, which then can damage your skin further and lead to potentially more scarring or discoloration. So I do not recommend. And then there's also the increased chance of infection too, if you're not using clean fingers or clean tools or whatnot. Right. There are exceptions. There are certain pimples that um, can heal faster if, if, if you can drain them, like if, if it's like, like a pustule where it looks like it's about to burst open, like you could see the pus at the head of the pimple. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't just squeeze it for something like that. You would have to take a, like a clean, sharp, whether it's a needle or a blade or something to just slightly nick the surface to minimize any pressure for the fluid to come out. Cause you don't want to just push the fluid through a closed like surface, you want there to be like an open surface for fluid to come out. So maybe in that situation, that's great. And then of course, there's, there's like abscesses, like, like cysts that get infected and get full of pus, we do need to drain those. Like these are large, these are large bumps, you you know, a lot of times we'll see them on the back, sometimes on the face on the neck. Um, And really anywhere on the body. But in general, you do not want to pop your pimples. Um, I know some people also will get things extracted. I'm okay with that too. Like Mm -hmm. if you have like little whiteheads or blackheads and you just want to extract the contents out, you know, obviously you want to make sure that it's done with clean tools. Um, and it's, you know, done by people who know what they're doing. Um, if you're doing it on yourself, just make sure you know what you're doing. Um, but the goal is to really, to, to, to prevent those blackheads and whiteheads from coming out in the first place and or to prevent like the pimples from coming out in the first place of course people still will get pimples they will get blackheads and whiteheads and and there are ways to treat them without having to pop them but yes but the goal is to prevent them okay this is probably a very elementary question but what causes us to have pimples yes why do we get pimples at the onstart of puberty, post-puberty, mm-hmm. um, maybe postpartum. I remember I started getting acne in my lower face um, when I was about 37. I mean, it was nothing. I went on the Retin-A and tetracycline and it went away in like two weeks. So it was like nothing. But I remember thinking that was, I don't remember what they called it, but it was like old acne, older people acne. Uh-huh, like, yeah. To think that in my 30s, I was old. Like, right, right, right. But yes, um, like adult acne. Yeah. Right, adult acne. So what causes a pimple? Why is it all hormonal? Can you explain everything about pimples, please? Yes. I'm going to first talk about what are the components of a pimple? Like what are the ingredients that turn into, like that cause a pimple? Yeah. And what are the driving forces behind people getting a pimple in general? So Within a pimple, there are three factors that make it a pimple um, or that can potentially, um, or yeah, that are all, all involved with the process of making a pimple. So one is oil or sebum is the medical term. Within each pore, so each pore is actually a hair follicle, but you know, on our face, obviously we may not see hair in those pores, but, but each pore or follicle, there's an oil gland attached to it. So that oil gland feeds and like nourishes the lining of that follicle. So if hair grows out of it, it like nourishes the hair, but it also like nourishes in our skin. We need the oils in our skin. Right. So, but a buildup of oil is one component of a pimple. The other component is a buildup of keratin, which is dead skin cells. So keratin is a top layer of our skin and it sheds and it lines like the inside of our pore, the follicle. And 
naturally our we shed our skin and and you know we get rid of the keratin but in some people the keratin can people can have a faster buildup of keratin and that can also clog the pore so oil and keratin that's the basis of an acne bump so when you see like whiteheads blackheads those are that's keratin and sebum mm-hmm. now the third component is bacteria we all have bacteria on our skin and there's an acne causing bacteria called cutie bacterium acnes acnes or acnes um and and normally like it's it's just chilling like if it, if it on our skin it's it's it behaves pretty well but like when it gets irritated by oil or keratin compressing it or by people squeezing their face or doing something manipulating their face or like it 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 like you know there's a lot of sebum and it wants to like feed on that and have a party then then we see inflammation that's when the redness comes out that's when we see swelling and that turns more into like an inflamed bump or i guess classic pimple and byproduct of some bacteria can be pus too and uh so that's the kind of the components of acne but what drives acne are hormones hormones you know do different things at different points in our life of course as we're going through puberty like our hormones are doing crazy things and they're trying to figure themselves out but but there are high levels of hormones especially like the androgens which include things like testosterone these drive a lot of oil production and potentially also inflammation too so so that's why we see this huge spike or this huge rise of acne in teenage years and sometimes this can go into people's 20s and and then we see a different form of acne as people get a little bit older later in their 20s 30s 40s i mean we see acne at all ages really but we see like this adult acne in women what we say adult female acne we can see it more so on the jawline we see it come out more so around like there's a cyclical nature to these mm-hmm. flares in many people okay. Um, sometimes it comes out like right before period, during period, sometimes it can come out during population, but it's because of the hormone variations changes, right? in hormones and why we're seeing, and we're seeing this a lot more than we did like 20, 30 years ago. Why? Um, and that's a really good question. I have theories. Okay. Um, I think there's, so there's different things environmentally. Um, we're using things that could be affecting our endocrine systems more, whether it's certain plastics, certain chemicals. There's also additives and foods that may or may not be playing a role with our whole endocrine system. So, And then I think stress plays a big role. Right. And so I'm going to interrupt you there for a second, because when I think about, uh, when you're talking about this, when I think about um, obesity, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was growing up, again, I'm going back to back in the 70s, Maybe there was one obese person in each grade. Mm, yeah. And I went to a school with almost 800 people. So there were like wow. 200 in each grade, right? Wow, in high yeah. school. And I remember, and as far as um, large breasts, there was maybe one girl in each grade. Mm-hmm. But now you see the large breasts, you see mm-hmm. obesity on the rise. Now you're telling me you see more acne and it's interesting. It's like, interesting. I, We're seeing, yeah, more infertility, more thyroid issues, like other endocrine issues, you know, like we're seeing hair loss, which plays a really big role with hormones. Yeah. So what do you, I know you talk about Accutane a lot and there's a lot of, you know, again, going back to old school, 
back in the day, there were very few kids that were on Accutane and it's still Mm -hmm. around. People are afraid to go on it, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when women are still getting acne in their late 20s and Mm -hmm. into their 30s and want Mm -hmm. to get pregnant or are concerned about fertility. But when is the right time for you to decide or you decide with your child for them to go on Accutane and what are the pros and the cons of it? That's a great question. And we're actually seeing more Accutane use for a couple of reasons. One is because yes, maybe there is more acne, but also we're seeing now that we've been using Accutane for however many decades, that it came out actually was founded in the seventies by a dermatologist who actually was one of my, um, who was on faculty at Georgetown where I did my residency, but he discovered the Accutane molecule in the seventies. But anyways, but we've been using it more and more and we're seeing more of the safety aspect of it. I think there was a big scare in the nineties where they thought it can induce suicide or suicide ideation, which that has since been debunked. And people also thought it caused GI issues that has infertility and infertility, right? Yes, that has debunked. It definitely causes birth defects, no question about it. So you cannot take it while like while you're pregnant, right? but it does not cause infertility. Like you can certainly still have children after being on it. Okay. Like if you were on it when you were young, you could still have children later on in life. But the other, so, so we, but we're seeing that it's actually safer than we thought it was. And we're also seeing more of the detriments of people being on antibiotics like tetracyclines for acne. We're seeing that it has caused a lot of gut issues, disruption in the microbiome, and uh, people will sometimes be on antibiotics for years, which is crazy. Um, and so there's been a movement to, to, to not do that and to start people earlier on with acne. But when a patient comes in and I have to figure out, okay, does, is, are they a candidate for acne? There's a couple or for Accutane. There's a couple of things I think about if they have like just really just deep cystic acne and it's pretty severe, that is for sure going to leave scars. And so if acne is, is to the level where it's leaving scars, you want to, you want to get rid of that sooner than later, because the scars are going to be more difficult to treat than the actual acne later on in life. Um, so, so scarring acne, um, really kind of deep cystic inflammatory. And you can tell when that child or that adult has the cystic acne that is going to leave scarring. And even with, I mean, it may, they may be able to, after using Accutane and the acne goes away, have laser and other resurfacing things that can help with it. But That's it right. would, um, so how do you know that somebody is a candidate and how young can they use it and how old can they, they use it? And how long is somebody typically on it? And what Lots of questions about Accutane. Uh-huh. And what is in Accutane that stops the acne? Yes. So in terms of who's a candidate, so in addition to people with scarring acne, I also will start on people who have not who haven't responded. Maybe their acne is not that bad, but they still have persistent acne despite being on other medications, despite being on antibiotics or being on other topical meds or another oral medicine that we like for adult female acne, spironolactone. Um, If people aren't responsive, then that's another reason. And I will start Accutane as young as potentially like 11 or 12 years old. I don't do that that often, Um, but typically, you know, I, I feel more comfortable when they're like, you know, above the age of 13. 
but you could you could do it as young as 11. Some, okay. I, I, I can't recall if people will even go younger than that. Um, I don't go younger than that. Um, and, you know, they, they can, you can be however old you can be in your 60s on Accutane okay. if you want to. It's, okay. Accutane can interact with certain medications. So obviously when people get older, they may be on other medicines too. Right. So we have to take that into consideration as well. Right, um, right. And people are typically on it for five to six months, usually more like six months. We dose it based on their weight and how they respond to it. If somebody's having side effects, they may have to be on it longer because we they may have to be on like a lower dose, which then uh, kind of prolongs the course because it'll take them longer to reach their treatment dose based oh, on their see. weight. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the fears of the things that you mentioned should not be a fear for people who are struggling with acne, who are literally depressed, don't want to go out because they feel they 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 feel like monsters. I mean, yeah. with their face like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I that's probably the number one reason why I prescribe Accutane. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I consider myself to be like kind of more holistically minded. I really right. try to get to the root cause of of to helping people decrease inflammation in their body. And I know Accutane can be demonized by a lot of people, but there's a time and a place for Accutane and it saves, it has saved lives. I'm sure. It's, it, it makes a huge impact on people's mental health. And for me, I am so thankful for that medicine. But yes, acne, you know, of course we want to like, you know, we, 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 we want the person to have the best possible outcome. We want them to be in the healthiest state possible, but there's definitely a, a role for Accutane. Um, Do you sure. normally try to um, weed out whatever it is first before you put somebody on Accutane? Yeah, I, I always like to have a discussion with the person and try to feel out what their goals are and what how motivated they are to potentially do other things before Accutane. Some people are like, no, just put me on the strongest thing. I can't continue living like this. Right. I need to, I need to heal fast. <laughs> um, and because when you, cause, cause really I think there's a huge connection with your gut and your skin and healing the gut is really important. There's also some supplements that can help with acne too, but if you do these kind of more alternative routes, which I'm all for, um, it just can take longer and it can take a lot more uh, motivation, diligence and patience because you have to like stay away from certain foods, you know, and it may take longer. Right. What is in Accutane that helps to get rid yeah. of acne? And does so the acne ever come back once they're off Accutane? Yes. Good question. Um, so good. Well, two questions. So the first one is what is in Accutane that gets rid of acne? So Accutane is actually an oral retinoid. So we talked about retinoids earlier, oh. which can help increase skin cell turnover to help kind of unclog your pores. So it's an oral vitamin A derivative. Um, but how it mainly works, interestingly, in the oral form is that it shrinks your oil glands. It decreases your oil glands ability to really spit out that excess oil into your pores. So when people are on Accutane, the number one side effect we see, we see it in 95% plus of people on Accutane is dry skin, right. really dry lips, because it's your oil glands are like actively getting like 
shut down in a way. Um, and I mean, your skin behaves, you know, more normally after you're off Accutane, but that's the main way it works. And in terms of whether or not people have to be on a second course, what's really neat about Accutane is that it's quote curative. I mean, in that it can potentially permanently get rid of acne in about 80%, 80 to 90% of patients who take it. So it's a game changer for so many people. Um, but yes, there's still like 10 to 20% who may have to be on it for a second course. Okay. Thank you so much for clearing up all that, that information, because there is a lot of negative information about that. And yet there are so many men and women who need it. So yes. thank you. Oh yeah. Happy Thank to talk you. about it. Yes. Yes. Okay. So postpartum women, do their skincare change? Does it change? What happens to a woman postpartum? Yes. Well, you know, we tend to actually see more skin changes during pregnancy. Um, because with pregnancy, you get like an increase in estrogen. And I loved, I loved being pregnant. Oh my gosh, same, same. You just had a baby, right? Yes, I am five months postpartum. You look actually. so good. Congratulations. Oh my gosh, thank you. Wow, it's, it's been a ride. But yes, thank has you. it? Yeah, yes. It's. I mean, it's been no. It is wonderful. So um, exciting. Yes, yes. But yeah, like I know a lot of women will experience what's called like that pregnancy glow because of that. It's at the increased estrogen. Okay. And we have both increased estrogen and progesterone, but sometimes if there's like an imbalance, if there's like more progesterone that can, some people, their acne will go crazy when they're pregnant, oh. when they normally would have, you know, you know, clear skin, their acne can just kind of go, go crazy. Um, but then, you know, postpartum, you get this really kind of severe drop in hormones and we don't. Actually, it's interesting. We don't really see as many issues with acne postpartum just because of like that kind of huge drop in hormones. Um, but because of that huge drop in hormones, we do see postpartum hair loss. Um, and that usually starts month three, month four, month five. Yeah, I remember um, that hair grows and then the hair grows back differently. It might it go can. back a little bit curly. I know my yes. hair, my hair texture changed a little bit. It's yeah. it's amazing what those little munchkins can do to us, you oh know? Oh my gosh. It's yeah. it's crazy, Lots but it's <laughs> it's always a blessing. It really, always. really is. Do you Definitely. recommend for the younger women listening to the show, um, putting sunscreen, how early can you put sunscreen on your babies? I, my rule is six months, Okay, six months. So try to do your best to like minimize sun exposure or use sun protective clothing prior to then. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sunscreen. Sunscreen. Yes. I have heard that the only type of sunscreen we should use is mineral based. So none of the other popular, I'm just going to throw out this name, copper tone, for mm -hmm. example, something that's been around. What yeah. do you recommend as the best sunscreens to use? And I know it's very important to also use on cloudy days, which a lot yes. of people forget to do. Uh, but yes. what is your recommendation for sunscreens on your face yeah. and body? Well, let me tell you, there has been so much controversy like on social media online regarding sunscreens. Right. And and to me, it's almost like not even worth the headache to 
to Jump try to convince there. people. Well, well, okay. So to answer your question, if it just, so I guess if you just not, don't want to have to like stress and deal with any of the controversies that are out there, I would say stick with a mineral-based sunscreen. So that is a zinc oxide or titanium dioxide based sunscreen. And you can find those ingredients listed as the active ingredients when you look at the back of a sunscreen bottle or on the label. Um, just because because there's a lot of controversy with the chemical ingredients. These are things that you that are like harder to pronounce. So like avobenzone, oxybenzone, octocrylene, octosalate. And, and, you know, in general, the so wait, well, oxybenzone has been removed from sunscreens, um, because it has been shown to have some endocrine disruption. The other chemical ingredients, the verdict is still out, because there hasn't been any enough evidence to show that they cause harm in humans. There are some where like excessive amounts can potentially cause issues in like other, you know, species like marine life. Um, but, but there's not enough. So, so in general, as dermatologists, we still recommend using, you know, whatever sunscreen you're motivated to use that's out there. But I guess for the sake of saving any headaches and any controversy, stick to a mineral based sunscreen. Like an Elta MD? Is that? So love Elta MD. All of their sunscreens contain zinc, but, but some are zinc only and some are hybrid zinc and a chemical sunscreen Mm -hmm. which is still fine you know for for derms we're like we love we love them all um but if if you are the kind of person who wants to stay away from the chemical sunscreens just look at the back of the label um because there are some hybrid ones from elta md but i mean some of my favorite ones are the hybrid ones like the elta md uv clear that's like a huge that's one of the most popular sunscreens i think that both derms wear and that derms recommend is the uv no i love that my daughters actually turned me on to it and Mm -hmm. um and the is it true that if you find like let's just say with Elta MD they have the clear sunscreen and then they have the tinted. Yes. Is it better to use tinted? Is that going to bring more sun? Is that going to protect your skin more? The short answer is yes. Actually, okay. um, tinted sunscreens have an ingredient called iron oxide, and iron oxide has been shown to protect you from visible light and visible light we're seeing so like even indoor lighting can can increase hyperpigmentation which is a whole nother skin issue that that is so commonly complained about um hyperpigmentation happens a lot during pregnancy that happened to me yeah yes yep melasma Melasma, Um, so yeah yeah, tinted sunscreens are great if you have melasma okay Mm -hmm. um going back to acne for a second and you mentioned it's um spiral Spironolactone. Yes, yes. yes. Spironolactone. Yes. So a lot of people are talking about that as an al- as an alternative to Accutane. Is that true? Can you explain the difference and how you're using that? Yeah. Well, it's it's very different from Accutane, and it's certainly um, a wonderful tool that has prevented a lot of people from needing to get on Accutane, actually. Um, but the way that spironolactone works is it works more on the hormonal aspect of acne. So, you know, um, there's things that work on the oil, there's things that work on the increased keratin, there's things that are antibacterial that work on the bacterial aspect. So this works that works on the hormonal aspect that that's a big driver for acne bumps. And we love it more so for adult female acne. So 
it's what's called an androgen receptor blocker. Androgens include things like testosterone, but, but it blocks like excess androgens, which sometimes we can see this imbalance, especially right before your period, there's higher levels of androgens than there are the other hormones. And that is what could be driving a lot of the the breakouts before periods. And so spironolactone is amazing for adult female acne. Okay. All right. Because I I was confused about how that's being used and if that can be used instead of Accutane, but maybe that could be a step before you decide to possibly use Accutane, right? Definitely. And it's not, yeah, for sure. Um, We use it. We tried, we'll try that. And I I don't give it to women or girls um, until they've had their period. Like if if it's a younger teenager and they haven't had their period yet, I, I avoid it. I w- would rather people have their period for at least a year before I start yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and then we don't give it to men or boys just because of its androgen blocking effect. So we don't right. want to block okay. the, their testosterone. That makes sense. Okay. A skincare trend that you think is wonderful that we should all know about. There was a big one called slugging which is basically slathering a petroleum jelly-based product like Vaseline or Aquaphor healing ointment, slathering that on your face. And you don't even have to use a whole bunch of it, but but applying a layer of it on your face at night. And that has been shown to really trap in moisture and can really cause a glowing skin. It's not for everyone, you know, you know, for people with acne prone skin or oily skin, we, we don't recommend it. And we don't recommend using it over an active ingredient like a retinoid because it can, the retinoid can really like get into your skin more effectively actually, and potentially cause more irritation. Okay. Interesting. So that sounds like it would be good for an older person or somebody with dry skin, right? Yes. It's great for people with dry skin and yes, older people or people who aren't really having acne. Yeah. How does that differ from Aquaphor if somebody wants uh, to? Yeah. Either one, Aquaphor okay. or Vaseline. And then CeraVe also has a petroleum jelly-based product and so does Cetaphil too. It sounds disgusting. It does. I can't imagine doing it, but maybe I'll try it tonight because you said it's a good trend. Um, anything, what else is out there that, that can help improve the texture and the look of our skin? So another thing, and this is, I mean, I think that everyone can benefit from this. I, you know, people who are older should practice a little bit more caution is, is incorporating some kind of exfoliating acid into your routine. Okay. There's the alpha hydroxy acids, the classic example being glycolic acid. There's also lactic acid, mandelic acid, malic acid, citric acid, and then beta hydroxy acids, which the classic main example is salicylic acid, which right. works more on, which works better for people with oily or acne prone skin because that really binds to oil. But exfoliating regularly, especially as we do get a little bit older, because our skin cells start to get a little bit lazy. Normally we have the skin cell turnover once every 30 days, but it starts getting a little bit lazier as we get older. So adding some extra help with these exfoliating acids, I would say a couple times a week or once a week, depending on the strength and your skin type is helpful. Wow. That's really good to know. I did not know that because I'm not a dermatologist, so I would (laughs) not know that. And again, there's so much information out there. So much. What about I just received a Christmas gift from um, a young man who does my hair and my makeup sometimes. Uh-huh. He gave me uh, a snail excretion. Uh-huh, snail mucin. I was snail, about to talk about that Snail too. mucin. Okay, so it's a trend. I looked into trend. it. 
Tell me about it. Is it helpful? Please explain to our listeners what it is and what it does. Yes, yeah, so a snail mucin is literally like snail excretion, as you as you said, um, and that has a variety of different like skin benefits. I don't think it's for everyone. It can potentially make acne worse, but in general, it is full of ingredients that are super hydrating. It has it has humectants. Humectants draw in water, so it can be very hydrating, and it also has something called glucosaminoglycans, which are these molecules that almost serve as like scaffolding in our collagen to help build more collagen and also draw in more water. Um, so it has some very lovely ingredients. And then also depending on the product, it can also have some growth factors too. Um, there's a brand called Biopel, the, the, their Tensage line, T-E-N-S-A-G-E, has snail mucin, which also has growth factors. Um, so there's some like lovely hydrating and anti-aging benefits from it. Um, and some people, snail mucin can potentially cause acne or clog pores. Okay, so it's general, always really important to know what kind of skin you have. So again, yes. for somebody who's prone to acne, it's probably not the best thing. So don't jump on yeah. that trend. But for somebody who has dry skin or aging skin like myself, slather mm -hmm. the heck of it it on my face, right? Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. It, it, I my think... my face absorbed it like like that. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. crazy. I was like, this is gross. Um, and I put it on there, and I, and then, and he said, "You're going to go to bed. Your face is going to feel gooey." Oh, oh no! By the time I finished mm -hmm. brushing my teeth, it was absorbed. Well, you know, I do recommend that if you're going to put any kind of hydrating serum like snail mucin, that you seal it in with like a cream-based moisturizer or or slugging with petroleum jelly. Um, on so top you don't of want it? to just on top of it because otherwise it'll evaporate from your skin. You want to seal any kind of hydrating oh. serum with some kind of occlusive product, like a cream or ointment. I didn't know that. Okay. So yeah. a lot of what happens to our skin is driven by hormones. Yes. You talk about PCOS and its connection to skincare. Can you, mm -hmm. can you expand on that a little bit for us? Yeah. PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. We do see that being a pretty common cause of acne. It's usually adult, um, adult acne and, and we see it. So, so it's kind of in the name polycystic ovarian syndrome, polycyst, like multiple cysts. And when you say you adult acne, adult acne starts mid twenties. When does that, when do you consider adult acne to begin? Usually, usually really anywhere in the twenties. Okay. Some people could like stop having acne when they're 15, but then it start again when they're like 21. Okay. But, but I would say when I think about my patient population, it's probably more so late twenties to the thirties. Okay. Um, is when I see like adult female acne. Um, but yes, it could really be yeah. Anytime starting. Okay. So I interrupted you PCOS and skin skincare? How, yes. how are those related? So with PCOS, there is an imbalance with the hormones and they do have higher levels of androgens. And, you know, androgens are responsible for kind of more acne breakouts, especially in the beard area. Right. We see some other characteristics of hyperandrogenism in people with PCOS, like they can have hair loss at the top of their scalp 
what we call androgenetic alopecia. Um, that's a big driver of hair loss in, in most people in general at an older age. Like in men, they have like the male pattern baldness. Women have the female. Those are driven by androgens in the scalp. And they could have like some other things, like sometimes some facial hair as well. Um, and then sometimes that could be associated with, well, not sometimes, it's often, PCOS is often associated with insulin resistance. So there are higher risk for diabetes, central obesity, and, you know, having insulin resistance um, can also be a driver for acne as well. So the androgens, the insulin resistance can, can drive acne too. Okay. Wow. We have covered a well, <laughs> there's my timer. Um, that will be cut out. Um, so we've covered a lot. If you could uh -huh. leave our listeners with a couple of tips or advice or suggestions, what would you say? I'm going to give you say top five things that our listeners can walk away with and, and start doing to feel better about their skin or improve their skin? Yeah. So in terms of skincare, I think washing your face is underrated because if you go to bed with your makeup, that is a huge contributor to skin issues, skin barrier dysfunction, acne, accelerated aging. So really make sure to wash your face, at least at bedtime. That's huge. And then sunscreen, getting in the habit of wearing SPF every day and it may not seem like it's doing anything, but you will thank yourself in 10, 15, 20 years. When you're 63, um, you'll be thanking oh yourself. Gosh, Trust you me, will, ladies. Let me, I cannot tell you how many patients I see every single day who regretted like all the unprotected time they had in the sun uh, throughout their lives. Um, so I hear it every day. And so just to save yourself headache and hassle, sun protection. And if you want to work more on anti-aging, Two other ingredients that you can incorporate are retinol at night and a vitamin C serum in the morning. And when it comes to just overall skin health, how you are internally also plays a really big role for your skin health too. And in terms of, I don't even know if I'm like, I, I don't even feel like I'm following the five step thing that you're, that you're mentioning, but, that's fine. but, but there's like a few, there's, there's like four different things with just overall health. Yeah. One is, you know, minimizing stress in one's life, which I know that's a whole nother topic. Yes. And then getting adequate sleep. Once again, that's a whole nother topic, but that has also been shown um, yes. like less sleep has been associated with acne, of course, accelerated aging. And then and when it comes to foods, we talked about fruits and vegetables, not only for their antioxidant effects, but fiber is huge, especially when it comes to acne. Fiber is huge. And that's a simple thing. So you can get, of course, get it from fruits and vegetables with other foods like beans that are rich in fiber. Um, and yeah, but those are the, the, Water. the three main lifestyle things. And then hydration. Hydration, um, more so your body just works better when it's hydrated. Right. And in turn, everything else works better, including your skin. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Mamina, for being on the show. How can our listeners reach you? Oh, so happy to be here. I am active on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. My handle is at dr.mamina, D-R.M-A-M-I-N-A. And then I also have a website, drmamina.com. I, I, I want to come see you. Where are you located, yes. by the way? 
I'm in New Orleans. Oh, okay. Well, I've never yes. been, so maybe I'll come and visit you. Yes, um, please. It's a this, place to visit at least once in your life. Yes, yes. So thank you so much for being on Fearlessly Authentic. I really, really appreciate it. it this has just been so much information that I know our listeners will thoroughly understand and go out and get all the products. I'll leave them again in the show notes. Thank you so much. And for everybody listening, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find me on Amazon Music, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow me at Jody Harrison Bauer on all social media platforms and on YouTube. So thank you for listening. And until next week, go be your most fearlessly authentic self. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.